One of my favorite times to be able to get sermons is when other people preach. So that's why I've got my ink pen and my piece of paper, and I'm going uh, to be taking notes while Brian preaches today. And again, I'm so thankful for him and for Tina and, um, and getting to know uh, different people that he knows and his mom and dad, and that's just been... Uh, that's been a real. That's been a real blessing for us. So, um, without any further ado, Ryan Fuller, big hand. Thank you, Pastor. It's again an honor to to be here with you all this morning to to worship together and. Uh, Worship team, that was an amazing. Yes. An amazing trip into the presence of God this morning. And any, anybody who brings the word of God can tell you that before the message, if it is flooded with worship, Bringing the word is, is so much easier because the foundation has, has already been laid. And I want to say, too, that, you know, so often Kay references Mark as her John Wayne. He's always been John Wayne to her. And, uh, well, that's not John Wayne sitting over there. That's not the Hulk sitting over there. That's Superman sitting right there. Let me tell you. I say that in, in, uh, all, with all respect and, and humility. I called Mark on Friday, knowing that Thursday he was going to be getting home from, from the hospital, so I thought I'd give him a little time to rest before I called him, let him get settled back in at home. So, you know, I pick up the phone and call him, and you just never know. You just never know what, what, what's going to be on the, what's going to be on the other end, you know? And so I'm like, well, I just wanted to check. I just wanted to see how you're doing. Well, we're on our way home from Lowe's. I got Charles and Josh with me. We're going to finish staining when we get home. <laughs> Superman. Well, this, this message today is, is to find out how far we are willing to go, how deep we are willing to dig, and how long we are willing to be still and linger in God's presence to know him intimately. To know the God of the universe intimately. There's a reservation waiting. To see God, to hear God, and to really, really know God. So a question that I asked you this morning is, are you willing to go that distance? And I think those of us that are here this morning would give a resounding yes, I am willing to go that distance. So this morning, let's look at, we'll start out by looking at Psalm chapter 63, and we're gonna read the first eight verses of Psalm 63. I'll give you just a second. Psalm 63, one through eight. Oh God, 
you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water, so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate you on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you, and your right hand upholds me. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this worship experience that we have already had today. That the name of Jesus would continue to be lifted up this morning through these short words and through the reading of your word, oh God, that, that Jesus would be revealed and Lord, that you would, you would communicate through me, Lord, this morning the invitation, the invitation to come, to linger, to taste and see. So Jesus, be lifted up. May your word be elevated this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So are you willing? This morning, we'll look at a few examples of of those who interacted with Jesus and, and what we can expect as our desire for him grows more intense. You can ask a pearl diver and a, a gold miner why they do what they do. Pearl divers and gold miners have one thing in common, at least, at least one thing in common. They're driven. They're not content to just scratch the surface. They're driven to dig deep to find the treasure that they're looking for. Pearls don't grow on the shoreline. I don't know of anybody that just walked along the, the, the seashore and found pearls. I don't know of anybody who just walked along the sidewalk and has found gold. No, the pearls, they're in the deep water where there's a cost to find them. And few are willing to go to such depths to find them. And if you ask them, is it worth it? going to such depths and experiencing such potential danger, they'll tell you it's in the deep water where the treasure lies. Under deep ground is where the gold is, and I'm not content until I find it. There's no reaping a great treasure without great sacrifice. Let me say that again. There's no reaping a great treasure without great sacrifice. To them that are willing, the riches that await them are priceless. So this morning, let's take a look at those who followed Jesus and the distance that they were willing to go to follow him. First group we're gonna look at this morning is the thousands, the multitudes, the multitudes who followed Jesus. And I like to call this the rock star Jesus. Those that followed Jesus because of 
of what he could give them because of the things that he did. And turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter, 20, Matthew chapter four. And we'll look at verses 23 through 25 of Matthew four. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all of Syria and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics and paralytics. He healed them and great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan and also Mark chapter eight. Mark chapter eight, verses one through three, in, verses one through three, in those days when a, again a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to him, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been here with me now for three days and they have nothing to eat. If I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. The multitudes, the folks who witnessed Jesus, the thousands of people who witnessed Jesus do miracles with with a few things, with a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish. When he looked up to heaven and he, he blessed them and turned them into a feast. And he did that on more than one occasion. Yet he had compassion on them. He prayed for them. He healed them and he fed them. And they followed him because of not, they followed him because of what he could give them. But yet he took every opportunity to teach them, to heal them, and to feed them because he had compassion on them. How many people do you know that they think that's the gospel? That I'll follow Jesus because of the cool stuff that he does. And what I think he can give me So many people today, the multitudes, they think that that is the gospel message. But when he started to teach them about sacrifice and suffering for the kingdom of God, what happened? Well, they suddenly began to depart. They quickly faded from following. They knew of Jesus. They knew all the cool stuff that he could do, but they had no desire to follow him as the one that would tell them to have life. They must first lose their life, the multitudes. Next, we have the world changers. We, we come down from the thousands and thousands and thousands of people who loved Jesus because of the stuff that he did. We come down to the 70. Some translations have 72. We'll just call them 70. The world changers. The 70 were trained and they were sent out. Luke chapter 10, turn there. Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 20. The 70 or the 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written 
in heaven. In this scripture, Jesus commissioned 70 to go and change their world. He says the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. And they go, they're trained. Jesus trains them and he sends them out and they return. They're like, Jesus, all this cool stuff happened. Even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus rejoiced. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from the sky. But he cautioned them, nevertheless, don't rejoice that the, that the demons are subject to you, but, but, but rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That's what was important to Jesus. There are a lot of world changers today, a lot of people that have zeal to change the world for Jesus. Praise God for those who have the zeal to change the world for Jesus and to see miracles. But you know what the important thing is to Jesus is that your names are written in heaven. May we not get so consumed with what we feel called to do or what we have zeal to do or what we are gifted to do or what our, where our talent lies, but may we be quick to remember, may we rejoice that by his grace, by his love and by his rich mercy, by calling on his name, our names are written in heaven. May we remember that. The world changers want to change the world. Such a commitment to be used by God, but to have a real interest in getting to know God on a deeper level, that zeal doesn't always necessarily translate into a deeper level of intimacy with God. From the 70, let's whittle it down to 12. The kingdom builders. Luke chapter six, go there if you will. Luke chapter six, we'll read verses 12 and 13. In these days, he, Jesus, went out to the mountain to pray and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12, whom he named apostles. The choosing of the 12 was, was the result of what? It was the result of Jesus spending all night in prayer. You think that was a big deal? Choosing and calling the ones who for three years he would invest his life in to carry his name to the world. For three years, he taught them the truths of the kingdom and he modeled the life of what? Jesus, the creator of all things, that would eventually lay down his life as a sacrifice for the entire world. He modeled not authority, he modeled a servant. Jesus says, I come not to serve, but to be served. I come not to be served, but to serve. The purpose of Jesus was to come to seek and to save that which was lost. But when it came to teach those that would change the world forever, he modeled the life of a servant. Time and lives were sacrificed to build the kingdom of God. Parable after parable, 
He taught them so that they would begin to understand the kingdom of God was not a physical earthly kingdom, but it was a lifestyle. The kingdom of God is a mindset. It's a mindset of selflessness. It's a mindset of giving away. It's a mindset of suffering, of persecution, loving those who are different and those that are difficult to love, of being merciful and forgiving and ultimately laying down your life for that cause. Most of the 12 were willing to go that distance. But still, some of the 12 struggled with truly knowing Jesus. Even though they would lay their lives down for him and change the world. From the 12, we go further. We go to the the inner circle. And we'll see the three that would encounter Jesus as none other would. Turn, if you would, to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 9. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John and led them up high on a mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses as they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them, but Jesus only. And I love this. As they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Peter, James, and John, the three that, would, that Jesus would, would set apart that would see the Son of God as no one else ever saw him, transfigured. In their presence, his his clothes became whiter than snow, appearing with Elijah and Moses talking with one another. And how cool, how cool for, for Peter, James, and John to see Elijah and Moses right there in their presence with the Son of God talking with Jesus. His clothes became whiter than snow. The Bible says that any cleaner or whiter than any launderer or anybody on earth could ever make them. And Peter always, always wanted to speak up. Rabbi, let us build some tents for you, for you guys. What was it about these guys? What was it about Peter, James, and John? that Jesus would draw them in and would reveal himself to them in such an awesome way. With a cloud overshadowing them, the voice of God, this is my beloved son. And then a short two-word sentence, 
hear him. Wow. What a privilege. And Jesus confides in them saying as they walk down the mountain together, guys, don't tell anybody about this. This is just between us. This is just between you guys and me. What an inner circle to be a member of. Revelation. Exclusive access. True friendship. The inner circle of three. So we've, we've talked about the multitudes, the thousands. The world changers, the 70. The kingdom builders, the 12. The inner circle, the three. Yet there's still the one. The disciple whom Jesus loved. Go with me to John. John chapter 13. This is where I want to be. John chapter 13, verse 23. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at table close to Jesus. And then go to chapter 19. Verses 25 through 27. At the crucifixion. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. John the beloved was known as the disciple whom Jesus loved. There was an obvious difference in the interaction Jesus had with John and the other disciples. And Peter, as close as he was to John, seemed to have a position of envy or jealousy in the relationship that John had with Jesus. In John chapter 21, when Jesus was challenging, when he was restoring Peter, Peter looked at John and said to Jesus, well, What about him? And Jesus said, don't worry about him. If I will that he remains until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. What was it that drew John into a more intimate relationship with Jesus? And I can only guess that he spent more time with Jesus. getting to know him more so than the others did. Quality time spent with someone naturally results in getting to know them better. That's a a default.
Some people probably know their dogs better than they know Jesus. And this picture of, in scripture of John resting up against the bosom of Jesus. I can, I can hardly contain myself when I, when I think of that picture. John resting against Jesus. You know what you hear when you're that close to Jesus? You hear his heartbeat. The heartbeat of Jesus. I want to hear the heartbeat of Jesus. What does it take? What is required? to hear the heartbeat of Jesus. It takes drawing near. It means coming close. It means being quiet. It means not getting in a hurry. It means letting everything else fall by the wayside. so that there's nothing more important than Jesus. How guilty we are of making everything more important than Jesus. Even Peter. There were other things more important, even though he was in the the inner circle of three. And the revelation that he received, there were still things that were more important than Jesus. John had it figured out. Just to come near and just to be still and linger there. What might happen if you come into God's presence in a way to hear the heartbeat of Jesus? In light of his mercy and grace, your sinful ways will be exposed and you'll be cleansed. And that will be a great joy, a great desire to you to see your sin in light of grace and mercy and to be cleansed. You'll experience peace that is unexplainable. You'll experience grace that is unmerited. You'll bear the fruit of being in his presence. You'll worship him because you can't help it. And you'll find the treasure of Jesus. Revelation of deep truths of God's word and the pearl of intimacy with God the Father, they are reserved for those who are willing to dig deep into the richness of his word and linger in his presence resting against his bosom. Let's pray. Dear God, you are worthy of praise.
You are worthy of every breath that we take in praise. We love because you loved us first. We rejoice that you have saved us. But Lord, we give you the honor and the glory that is due your name simply because you are God and that you are due glory. So in the midst of our pain, in the midst of trial, in the midst of of unknowing, in the midst of struggle, we give honor and we give glory to the name of Jesus, the creator of the universe who loves completely, who is complete in every way. We give honor and we give glory to you. Dear God, would you draw us in? There is room. There is room for each one of us to be the one. There is room for each one of us to be drawn in to that reservation for two. Jesus and whosoever will. God, may the distractions of work, of play, of important things and unimportant things, may they pale, may they dissolve, may they go away in light of spending time resting on the bosom of Jesus to hear your heartbeat. Be glorified during this time of invitation. Have your way, work in our hearts. Draw us to you. May we respond with obedience and faith. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, would you come? Would you respond to the invitation of Jesus? for salvation? Would you come respond to Jesus for healing? Would you come respond to Jesus for intimacy? Would you come lay down your life before God and let him do an amazing work in your life because he loves you? Won't you come? There is a place A place that's safe a place where fears fade away here in your presence Lord so we draw nearer
It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.